is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and executive coach. And today, I welcome Judith Matloff to the show. Judith, I am so excited to have you on the show. And you are going to share some incredible wisdom about how to be safe, especially in this interesting time of a global pandemic. You're a seasoned foreign correspondent, and you've pioneered safety training for media and particularly for women. So thank you for being with me today. It's a delight. I'm looking forward to our conversation. So I'd love to pick your brain right away and say, how did you get into this area of expertise? Because it is unique. Yeah, it definitely is unique. (laughs) Um, I was a foreign correspondent for several decades. And being a foreign correspondent, you invariably cover conflict and civil unrest and natural disasters and really just any kind of upheaval. And You know, I started out back in the 80s, and in those days, we didn't have safety protocols. And I got myself into quite a few situations. I suffered death threats in Africa, and I would stumble onto shooting. At one point, I walked on an ammunition dump that was still smoking. The shells were smoking. And it suddenly occurred to me that we in the journalism industry needed to do things in a safer way. And I was particularly concerned about women because, at least in those days, it was an extremely male-dominated and very, very macho profession. And I was aware that women faced harassment and assault uh, in, in ways that men didn't. So I began to think about how we could incorporate safety into the way that we did our jobs. I mean, again, when I started out, when we covered wars, we didn't even have protective equipment like flak jackets or helmets because it just wasn't on anybody's radar. So then I... I returned to the States after 20 years abroad, about literally about 20 years ago, and I started teaching at the Columbia Graduate School of Journalism. And I decided to incorporate safety training and safety protocols in my academic teachings. And then one thing led to another, and then the word got out, and then I began doing safety training workshops, again, for people in my profession all over the world. And these were sponsored by the United Nations and large media organizations and the State Department. So then what happened, again, one thing leads to another as life does. (laughs) What happened was ordinary people like my kid's high school teacher or the plumber who lived across the street or my sister who's a social worker would then ask me for safety tips. Like, should their kids be taking self-defense training against rape? In New York City, should they, you know, how would they equip for a um, a, a devastating Category Five hurricane in Puerto Rico or Florida? What should they do in case there's an earthquake? What sort of equipment they should have? How could they safeguard their digital communications so that their bank accounts weren't hacked? And then, you know, as I was getting all these queries, I thought, and there really were quite a few. I began to think, why don't I just put all this stuff in a book? Uh, Yeah, and that's just how it happened. Um, You know, one thing kind of led to another. and, And lately, I must say, I've been just inundated with all sorts of requests for information, anything from emotional resilience during lockdown or safety in terms of what, you know, should you be wearing a mask or shouldn't you? Uh, how do you build up your physical and 
emotional resi resilience during this time. And, and also people are now very, very worried about a double emergency, a pandemic, as well as a natural disaster, like a tornado. Uh, and then lately, I've been getting a lot of requests about protests. How do you stay safe at, at what's supposed to be a peaceful protest? So um, that's kind of my story. Amazing. Would you agree that there is a, a level of high anxiety right now? I mean, clearly, right? We're in a global pandemic. This is not normal. So there's just this heightened sense of emotional turbulence. How, how do we deal with that, right? What are, what are the basic building blocks of dealing with that kind of anxiety? Right. What mental health experts who look at disasters and emergencies and crises, which is what we're living through, what they say, the one singular thing that can help emotional resilience more than anything else is social contact and social support. So, for instance, um, you know, I, I think human beings have an instinct for survival. And I think the five o'clock Zoom cocktails that people are having is a perfect example of the human spirit for, for survival. The social connection, even if you're alone in your house or your, your movements are very limited, you can't go to the office right now, you can't hug your, your, your friends. Anything that you can do to bolster your connection with people is very, very important. And to surround yourself with people who you trust and who make you feel good. That's really, really important right now. And the other thing, and this is the theme of the book, and again, you know, this is something I've been doing for 40 years at, from a professional point of view, and I find it really helps me in my personal life as well, is if you think about the worst case scenario, and then you evaluate whether it's actually possibly going to happen, usually it doesn't. And then most importantly, you come up with a plan to either mitigate this very bad scenario or to cope with it. It will give you an enormous sense of control because you're taking action, you're confronting your fear, and you're actually doing something about it. So for instance, if people are worried about a second wave, which could happen or could not, right. look at the science, see how likely it might be in your geographic area because certain geographic areas are more likely to get it than others, obviously the more densely populated areas. And then once you've evaluated how likely it is, because it really may not be that likely, then think about what kind of precautions you and your loved ones can take to either prevent it affecting you or how to power through it. So for instance, people who were on lockdown, a lot of people were caught uh, by surprise and had to rush and do panic buying and they didn't necessarily get their supplies that they felt they needed. Maybe now's the time to stock up on the masks, the Purell, the wipes, all the things that have returned to the market right now and be, be prepared just in case. Yeah, I'm glad you I'm glad you shared that. And you're right, it is not incredibly predictable. And I do appreciate your reference to more densely populated areas, right? The likelihood is greater there, but we just don't know, right? The epidemiologists are saying, yeah, the second wave is coming. We don't know when, but I, I'm glad you said, hey, you know what? Let's be more prepared. And I loved your, your nod to control because I think that that lack of control or that feeling of being out of control heightened anxiety for me personally. Yeah, no, definitely. And to just give an anecdote, um, you know, again, I don't want to bray that I did everything right, but 
because my husband and I have been foreign correspondents in crisis areas like Latin America, like we lived in Africa for many years and really quite, you know, reporting on quite dire situations. We lived in the former Soviet Union during a, a financial collapse. So it's kind of built into our DNA to just always have emergency supplies in the house. So what happened is when COVID hit New York City in mid-March, we were actually, as well as our teenage son, we were all out of town, but we felt very calm when we returned to town because we already had N95 masks, we had wipes, we had a month's supply of food and cash, we had all our telemedicine set up. We basically had um, everything that you could want to have during this crisis already set up in the house so that when we all returned to the city, we felt, you know, I wouldn't say we felt relaxed because it was a pandemic, but we felt calmer than if we had not made preparations. Yeah. And and that's your norm based on your, your career experience. But I, I think I hear you saying, hey, everybody else should should think about this too, right? And there are certain basics that we should have in the house. Yeah. And I don't think you need to go really overboard and become, you know, hoard five years of grain and buy a piece of land with a water supply and right, start right. hunting. I, I don't think we need to go to those extremes unless if you enjoy doing that, and some people do, and that's fine. I think just think about, you know, for instance, we're thinking towards hurricane season at the moment. Hurricanes do hit New York. And so we, you know, we went, we evaluated our supplies in the house, our NOAA emergency radio, that's a weather alert radio where you get every emergency alert either on the local level or the federal level. And it's it's a hand cranked radio, so you don't have to worry about batteries and electricity supply. We went down and we looked at our radio. It was like 20 years old. The antenna uh, had worn out. I mean, we were basically using a wire. So we replaced that one. We had these really outdated um, head uh, forehead flashlights, which are very, very lightweight. And so we replaced those. And again, you know, we restocked the food supply. We, we've, you know, we're talking now about getting a sump pump for the basement. We're looking at, we're cutting down branches in the garden that might fall on the house. So, you know, there is a lot you can do. And it really makes me feel much calmer. Yeah. The very, very little thing, you know, we cleaned out the gutters on the house. Just little things like that can make a huge difference in case a big storm rolls into town. So true. Judith, we'll be right back after a quick break. Your Working Life is powered by your stories. We want to hear more from our listeners about your experiences in the workplace. Tell us what challenges you've overcome or tips you've learned along the way. And even better, if you don't have the answers, let us know what issues you want to know more about. We want this podcast to serve all of your working life needs. Send me an email at caroline at carolinedowdhiggins.com. So on top of a global pandemic, it is uh, a fascinating time around the world. We're seeing uh, protests, some peaceful, some not, as a result of the killing of, of George Floyd. And it has really um, just risen to a different level and shined an incredible spotlight on the Black Lives Matter movement. And we're seeing this around the globe, and it's it's just extraordinary. But you actually have safety tips for protests and shootings and things that we hope to never experience in our lives. And I would love for you to share that with us, because because many of us um, are getting out there and protesting 
protesting. And it is an important time to be able to have our voices heard, but to do it safely. Yeah. And I'm particularly concerned about people protesting when there's a pandemic, because right. that obviously um, brings a whole other dimension to safety. Um, there are ways to do it safely. Uh, unfortunately, we would need like three hours. Yeah. Yeah. Quick, <laughs> I, quick there's tips. A whole, yeah. yeah. There's a whole chapter in the book, which talks you through it. It also talks through um, school shootings and mass shootings, which, which I think is something that's very much on people's minds. Um, but, but the basic, the basic rule for any protest, whether or not you think it might become very volatile is always stand on the edge of the crowd. You really don't need to be in the center of the crowd. Just stand mm -hmm. on the periphery and always think about if something happened and you never really know with protests because they're, they're very unpredictable. What would be your safety route? The last thing you want to do is to be hemmed in. And this is particularly important with the pandemic because um, you don't want to be in the middle of the crowd where people are shouting, where they may be coughing. Um, you want to be on the edge so that you can maintain that social distancing. So it really, really is possible to protest in a safe way. The other thing I would stress is no matter where you live and no matter whether the lockdown is eased or not, just to be safe, wear a mask and mm. bring a couple extra masks. Um, one thing which which... And, and I'll tell you why having extra ones is important. For instance, where, where I live in New York, which has been the, the epicenter of the epidemic, uh, the pandemic, um, you know, we still are having cases reported, even though it's low. So we, you know, the state authorities have said continue to wear masks in public. But let's say you're at a protest, it's peaceful, and suddenly it isn't, and there's a lot of tear gas and pepper spray. Your mask will become saturated with those toxic chemicals. So you want to have extra ones on you so that in case your the protest turns and your mask becomes saturated, you can you can exchange it for a clean one. The other thing I like to carry, I went to one mask to observe as a journalist and I like to carry extra masks because a lot of people can't afford them or they yeah. can't get them. And you can hand them out to the people around you who may want them but don't have access to them. Right. And happily, now they are more readily available where they weren't at the beginning of COVID, right? The onset of COVID. So right. that is good news. So what about first aid, right? Sadly, we, we are seeing people that are hurt in, in the protests, right? Um, yeah. These things are happening. So what about our own personal physical safety? What, what should we need to be aware of? In terms of first aid or in terms of just where we position ourselves? In well, but, well, both, right? Yeah. So sh should we be, um, you know, coming with a little mini first aid kit just to be prepared, you know, or for someone that might be injured near us? You know, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, I'm all for carrying a, a safety kit around. As a matter of fact, I do it routinely because, you know, again, I live in a really densely populated city and I get recertified in first aid every year. And you know, a friend of mine, for instance, she's a war correspondent, a celebrated war correspondent. She was just walking down the street the other day and somebody was choking on a hot dog and mm. she was able to save that person's life. I think just knowing emergency first aid is a good skill to have for everybody. You just never know when somebody could be hit by a car and you're waiting for the first responders, etc. As for protests, because they are so volatile and they can turn violent, I would say everybody should carry a bottle of water that they can flush out their eyes mm. in case they're hit with pepper spray or tear gas. 
The other thing I would recommend is bring some antibiotic solution and some bandages in case somebody near you is hit. Also carry a spray bottle that's half water and half antiacid, something like milk of magnesia, because if the police are pepper, pepper spraying people, it's, it's very, very irritating for the skin. It burns the skin. But if you put the solution on the skin, it will, um, it will relieve it immediately. So those are some basics I think everybody should be carrying around to a protest just in case. Again, you know, my philosophy is just in case. Yeah. And I feel like, it, you know, if you carry it, it's like an umbrella. If you carry it, it's not going to rain. It, it, might, it won't but, rain. Exactly. Yeah. But aside from protests, there's one thing that I think we, um, we all could benefit from, aside from basic first aid training, which is there's a movement that's growing in the country. It provides free training in uh, stopping, staunching bleeding. It's called the Stop the Bleed. Hmm. And... You know, I think it's particularly important if you're worried about school shootings in your kid's school, if you're worried about mass shootings at a concert or whatever. There have been so many instances, including the Boston Marathon bombing and also the uh, the massacre in, in Las Vegas a couple of years back, where um, bystanders who had uh, emergency first aid and knew how to staunch bleeding saved people's lives. And, wow. um, you know, it takes a while for the emergency responders to get there and a person can bleed out in just a few minutes. So it's, it's an incredibly useful skill. Let's say you're walking down the street and there's a car accident and you've called 911, but it's going to take a while for the medics to arrive. You could possibly save somebody's life. Mm, incredible. And it's stopthebleed.com? Yes. Wonderful. So Judith, as we wrap up, let's talk about emotional resilience, because I think that is a necessity right now. Uh, The stress can often be invisible, but it it can also be incredibly debilitating. So I know you write about self-care and social support. Tell me more. Well, one thing which we found um, scientifically is that exercise is fantastic. It, it relieves the hormones like cortisone and adrenaline that are almost like negative um, stress hormones in the body that can deplete you after you've, you've had a surge of them. Exercise restores your breathing. Breathing is really, really important to staying calm. Scientists have done studies showing that deep breaths, five successive deep breaths, activate a neural mechanism which calms you down. Um, and the thing about exercise, it, it helps you sleep better. Sleep is absolutely critical to emotional stability. And exercise can help regulate your, your, um, your appetite. It's just, it's, it's a very, very good way to relieve stress. Um, aside from that, I think altruism is something that can really help you build resilience. We have this sense that the world is out of control right now. But if you can help one person check up on an elderly person, maybe help one family get food so that their children can eat regularly, help a friend who really is in immense distress, altruism will make you feel like you're actually taking action and you're actually doing something in this really, really distressing environment. So that's another thing that helps. And then one thing that we found for people who are in lockdown If they had a routine, a routine creates a sense of normality and also control. 
you're controlling one thing in your life, which is what time you eat, what time you go to bed, what time you work, what time you socialize. So that's another really, really important way to um, reestablish control over a very chaotic situation. Judith, I learned so much from you today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I can't tell you how pleased I am with all these tips. I know they will help our global listeners, but I want to remind everybody about uh, your most recent book, and it is called How to Drag a Body and Other Safety Tips You Hope to Never Need, Survival Tricks for Hacking, Hurricanes, and Hazards Life Might Throw at You. And of course, it is available online via Amazon. And we hope when bookstores reopen that people will also go and, and buy the book there. But thank you. I am just so grateful that you shared your time and your wisdom with our audience today. Thank you. This is an absolute delight to talk with you. And stay safe, everybody. Thanks, Judith. You be well. And if you like our show, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. And even better, leave a review because this helps new audience members find us online. And let me know what career-minded issues you want to feature on a future show. You can always find me on Twitter at C. Dowd Higgins. And a special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks for listening.